as part of the early part of our service, you got to see some personal in the street interviews asking people who Jesus is. And I guess if you were to ask the question, who is Jesus, to a dozen people, you could easily get a dozen different answers. You could get maybe even some different answers in this building this morning as to exactly who Jesus is. There would be some people who would certainly say, Jesus is my Savior, my Lord. But there would be other people who say he's a good moral teacher. You may find some who say that he was a prophet. Some who admit that they're not sure who he is, but they kind of like him. Others that he was just a Jew that got caught up in a bad situation. A philosopher, a poet, Savior. All kinds of answers as to who it is that Jesus is. And that's what we want to consider this morning as we continue in our study called God Quest. Who is this Jesus? With all the opinions about him, does it matter? Does it matter what you believe? Does it matter who he is? This morning we're going to examine some evidence as to who Jesus is. And having examined that evidence, we're going to try to figure out what do we do with it. It's become popular to say that it's more important what Jesus taught than who he was. And they'll point to certain segments of his teaching, Sermon on the Mount and things like that, and say, that's really what's important. He came to teach love and tolerance and and kindness and those kinds of things. And that's really what's, what's most important. But I'm here to tell you that you cannot separate the teachings from the teacher, the message from the person. Who Jesus is is crucial to understanding what he said, and why he said it. And that's where we want to struggle a little bit this morning. Who is this Jesus, and what does it mean? We want to begin by considering the evidence. So this morning I want to ask you to weigh the evidence. To weigh the evidence with me as we consider this person, Jesus. And I'll begin by making the statement, the preponderance of evidence indicates that Jesus did claim to be God. And that claim was central to everything else that he said and did. In fact, on one occasion, as Jesus met with his disciples, he asked the question, who do people say the Son of Man is? He didn't ask, what do people say I'm teaching? Did you get that? He didn't say, what do people say I'm teaching? What do they think about what I'm teaching? Instead, he said, Who do people say the Son of Man I am? According to the historical record, the record of his words and actions, Jesus repeatedly asserted or implied that he was the unique Son of God. Now, for us, that may not seem like a big deal. In that time, it was a loaded statement, it had implications especially among the Jewish people to whom Jesus spoke. On more than one occasion, Jesus asserted that he was divine. He was God. He was deity. And it caused his fellow Jews to want to kill him. Once when he was teaching, he said to the Jewish leaders, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and he was glad. And his listeners got angry at that. They said, you're not even 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? 
Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. And at this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, wait a minute. That seems like a rather cryptic statement. Before Abraham was, I am. What is the big deal with that statement? If we back up a little bit, actually a lot, and we go to the encounter that Moses had with God at the burning bush. You remember God said he wanted to send Moses back to Egypt with a message of freedom for the slaves. And Moses said, well, what if people ask, who has sent you? I don't know your name, God. What is your name? And God said, I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. That was God's self-revealed name to Moses. So when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, he was declaring to be the I am. This was not that Jesus just didn't know grammar very well. You know, if we made a statement before, before John was, I am, well, Tommy Ward wouldn't appreciate that very much. She wants to get the grammar correct, and that doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. But Jesus said exactly what he intended to say. It was not a grammatical error. Before Abraham was, I am. In the final days before Jesus' death, he made it clear before the Jew- Jewish Sanhedrin just who he was. The high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus answered, I am. I am. You see, the central issue of Christianity is not, and it never has been, the teachings of a man named Jesus, but Jesus himself, the person of Jesus, who he was. And so it will not do to claim that Jesus never claimed to be God. He did. He claimed equality with God. Now, that's the evidence. Go back to the biblical record. Read through the Gospels. Jesus was often threatened with death and, in fact, was crucified for that very reason. He claimed to be God in the flesh, and it got him killed. That's the evidence. Now that we have the evidence, we need to consider the possible conclusions. What do we do with that evidence? Once we've learned this, once we've embraced that Jesus did indeed claim to be divine, did indeed claim to be God in the flesh, what do we do with that information? Well, we've got to say it. Just because someone claims to be God doesn't make it true. It doesn't mean that person is God. In fact... You can go to many mental institutions and find people who believe that they are God. And we lock them up. They're institutionalized for having such uh, ideas of grandeur. So having this idea that they somehow are divine. So what do we do with Jesus' claims? Well, they're either true or they're false, right? I mean, when Jesus says... 
puts himself on par with God. When Jesus says, basically, I am God, here I am, he was either lying about it or he was telling the truth. He was either deceived or he was accurate. That statement is either true or false. Jesus, when Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, that's either true or false. You can't have it both ways. He's either right or he's wrong. Now that's simple, but it's not the end of the story here. Because we have to consider the ramifications of whether it's right or wrong. If Jesus' claims were false, either he knew his claims were false, or he didn't know his claims were false. And if he knew his claims were false, and he made them anyway, then that would make Jesus out to be a liar. Right? Think about it. If Jesus claimed to be God, and he was wrong, and he knew he was wrong, then he was lying. Now that kind of gives the idea of Jesus being a good moral teacher a different spin. If that's what you want to accept about Jesus, that he's not really Savior, he's not really God, but he's a good moral teacher, then how do you deal with this? Jesus claimed to be God. How do you deal with it? If Jesus knew it was false and he said it anyway, then Jesus was lying. And even worse than that, he was an evil man. Why? Because he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Because he told people, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If Jesus knew it was a lie, and he said it anyway, he is not good or moral. He's evil. And he does not deserve the honor we have given him. If it was false, and he knew it was false. But maybe that's not the conclusion we need to draw. Perhaps he didn't know it was false. If Jesus claimed to be God, but he wasn't, but he thought he was, then we could rightly call him a lunatic. He was crazy. He was imbalanced. If he claimed to be God, thought he was, but he wasn't. In order to believe that Jesus claimed to be God but was wrong and didn't know he was wrong, then we've got to conclude that he was deluded, that somehow he was crazy and insane. Philosopher Peter Kreft comments on this possibility, and this is what he writes. A measure of your in- insanity is the size of the gap between what you think you are and what you really are. If I think I'm the greatest philosopher in America, I am only an arrogant fool. If I think I'm a butterfly, I am fully embarked from the sunny shores of sanity. But if I think I'm God, I am even more insane, because the gap between anything finite and the infinite God is even greater than the gap between two finite beings, even a man and a butterfly. What he's saying here is, if you want to measure insanity, you can't get much crazier than saying, I am God. And that was Jesus' declaration. If Jesus claimed it, 
believed it, but it wasn't true. Now, here's the deal. I dare you to do this. Go to the Gospels, look at the life of Jesus, read the words of Jesus, and come back and tell me he was crazy. What you'll find is a man who was not out of control or insane, but a man who was reasoned, thoughtful, a man who could stand toe-to-toe with the greatest thinkers of his time, a man who had authority in what he taught, a man who was wise. You do not find a crazy man in Jesus When you take a look at how he presented himself, what he said, and what he did, what Jesus exhibited is sanity. And so if he wasn't a liar, and he's not a lunatic, where does that leave us? Well, there is another possibility. Remember, we said at the beginning that his claims could either be true or false. What if they were true? What if Jesus is exactly who he said he was? God in the flesh. If his claims are true, then he's not a liar nor a lunatic. He is Lord. He is Lord. God's word in John's gospel makes it clear the word became flesh and we've seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Colossians 1, Paul writes, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We find in Scripture that Jesus is the light of men, the Lamb of God, the Alpha and Omega, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the only God, our Savior. All which leads us to the final consideration, and that is this. Make an appropriate response. Think about it. If the evidence is that Jesus is who he said he was, God in the flesh, and we've determined that he's not a liar, and he's not crazy, then he must be Lord. What are the implications of that? If Jesus really is who he said he was, what are the implications for our lives? This is what C.S. Lewis wrote in the book Mere Christianity. Either Jesus was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He did not intend to. This is what Scripture teaches about Jesus plainly and clearly. God sent his son, born of a woman, yet he was without sin. He bore our sins in his body on the cross in order to bring you to God. That is who Jesus is. Deal with it. Seriously, deal with it. What are you going to do with that? 
It is so easy for us to say Jesus was a good moral teacher, taught lots of wonderful things, he was a good man, might have been a prophet. But what we're doing is we're letting ourselves off the hook. Some of the, some of the interviews that were done, and people showed some level of respect for Jesus, but didn't really believe that he was Savior, didn't really believe he was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And they were content to let it just lay there, to not deal with it. I'm not sure what they hope to gain from that. As a matter of fact, they have a lot to lose from that. If if I happen to be on the Titanic and it's going down, or on some cruise ship off of Italy, and I know that the lifeboats are on deck, and I know that the life preservers are in my cabin, and I know that the life preservers will support me in the water, and that the lifeboat will, will keep me afloat. If I know it and admit it, and say, well, those are just nice, nice orange life preservers. That's, that's, that's a really nice boat. That's not going to save me. Not if the boat starts going down. I need to have that. If I really have confidence in that life preserver, I need to have that puppy on. If I really believe that boat's going to hold me up if the ship goes down, I really need to be in that boat. It is what we do with the evidence that matters. It's what we do with Jesus that matters. And just saying he's a good guy doesn't cut it. Why? Well, John clues us in on that in John chapter 20. He says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus didn't come just to give us a new moral code by which to live. He didn't come to impress us with magic tricks. He came to save us. Believing in him, we might have life. The point is not who people on the street say Jesus is. The point is, who do you say? Jesus is. And, and in, John, in Jesus' conversation with his disciples, he began, he began by asking, who do people say that I am? But he then turned it around and said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? That's really where the rubber meets the road. That's really where it all comes down to. You may want to call Jesus a good teacher, but it doesn't get you out of the dilemma. Pontius Pilate asked a very poignant question. What shall I do then with this Jesus who's called the Christ? What will you do with this Jesus who's called the Christ? You see, you have a choice. Having heard the evidence, having been touched by the Holy Spirit burning within you, you, can, you get to choose what you do with this information. 
You can go away going, yeah, sounded okay. Kind of like that. And have it never impact your decisions, never impact your life, never impact your eternity. There are lots of people who go to their grave thinking that Jesus is a good moral teacher, but never have received him as Savior and Lord. What a tragedy. There are people who sit in churches week in and week out who have been presented with the Jesus of the Gospels, not the Jesus of the culture, who have heard over and over and over and over again Jesus' words that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Over and over and over, week after week after week after week, they have heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. And yet have never made it theirs. It has never become truth for them. They have never embraced this Jesus as Savior and Lord. And they go about as if the Titanic is not going down. Well, it is. What do you do with this Jesus? To all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born of God. And you have that opportunity this morning. Will you simply go about saying that Jesus is a good teacher, good guy? Or will you acknowledge him as Savior and Lord of your life today? I pray that if you haven't done so already, that you will not let this hour pass without embracing the Son as Savior. But there's some of you out here who have done that a long time ago. You call Jesus Savior, you call Jesus Lord. But Jesus, he challenges us in Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? This morning I met with three uh, teenage boys. We talked about following Jesus, about baptism. And I asked the question, what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? And this is the answer I got back. He owns me. Give that boy a star. He's right. We were bought with the precious blood of the Son of God. We were paid for. We are now His. But we live as if we wear the shirt, property of Jimmy. Fill in your name. You don't wear that shirt. Property of, insert name here. When really we need to live as property of Jesus. Whatever he calls upon me to give today, I give. Whatever he calls upon me to do today, I do. When I go to his word and I read it and it doesn't fit with my lifestyle, guess what? This doesn't change. I change. Why? Because he's Lord. Because I've committed myself to follow him wherever he leads. And that's what I'm going to do. 
Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And yet, you don't do what I say. For some of you today, it's not a matter of making Jesus Savior. It's a matter of acknowledging Him as Lord and taking following Him seriously. And I want to encourage you today, this place up here, it's, it's not fancy. Just stepped covered with carpet. But I can tell you right now, it can become a holy altar for you. A place where you can come and say, God, I am so sorry for doing it my way. For being Lord of my own life. And having made you, having declared you as Savior today, I declare you as Lord. And I want to live for you every day forward. This is your time to respond to whatever the Lord's laid on your heart today. This is your moment. 